Alright guys, pictures up. Pictures up! Pictures up! That's roll sound. Rolling! Rolling! Sound speeds. Camera speeds. Two. Awesome. Take two. Mark. And action! Welcome to the Penn Cinema Podcast. Your behind-the-curtain connection for movie news and reviews. Now here are your hosts, Penn Ketchum and David Moulton. Welcome to the show. I'm David Moulton. And I'm Penn Ketchum. What's up? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. To to, the post-Dune show. To David's heyday. (laughs) The, the, The... yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm on top of the world. Who could blame you? And loving life. It's one of those. It's one of those things that we talked about it before. I love everyone getting into this thing that I've been trying to get people into for right. years. But at the same time, like you, you ain't a real. You don't really like Dune, right? Like not like I did, right? 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 Like, <laughs> you think you know Dune, but yeah. maybe you saw the movie. Oh, you want to talk to me about yeah. Dune? Nah, come on. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> let's get let's get down. Oh, oh, is that how you think it is? Right? Right? Yeah. Like when it's, they refer to the character as Josh Brolin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, yeah. Gurney Halleck. Okay. Right. Please, <laughs> buddy. The instrument he was playing is called a balisette. Right. Not a guitar. No. Right. It was a made-up instrument. Right. So, come on, jeez. <laughs> I love it. You've been waiting your whole life <laughs> to look down on everyone. No, no, no. I wasn't. No. You've no. been waiting your whole life. I mean, so Dune One came. Right. And was a huge success. And we're going to talk about Dune 2. We're going right. to do a movie review of Dune 2. Because I know that's what everybody is tuning in this week to hear. They were, Everywhere I went, everybody wanted to know, what did David think of Dune? Right. So, but what the point I wanted to make about you being excited, which I say rightfully so, Dune 1 came in 2021, right? Mm-hmm. We were kind of out of the pandemic, but also not really. And it was also released on streaming, right? And it was a massive success. You know, commercially, artistically, everybody agreed like this was a winner. Yes. But did, but. but it did not have the national it was not part of the national conversation the way Dune Part Two is right now. Right. And as we witnessed a year and a half ago. Or I should say the worldwide conversation. Right. When when on my fortieth birthday <laughs> we did a, a a view of of Dune. Right. Almost most of the people in that theater at that point, the movie had been out and at home for a while. Right. Had not. Oh, that's Not right. only not seen it, but no interest in seeing it. They came out because it was your birthday and they're good friends. And I was and, like, yeah. and then, but then afterwards, right. they were all hype about it. Right. Like, I got to see it. And I think that that's the thing. The first one, as much as it was like, I was happy to see it on the screen, the people that I wanted to, I wanted to be like, you have to like, yeah. they were not the people that were naturally going to go see the movie. Right. They needed to be forced or have an empty Saturday afternoon. Right. Or whatever. A really empty Saturday a afternoon. Really, yeah. <laughs> or someone else other than me had to say something to them. Right. They were like, well, I mean, I guess I've been hearing about it. I'll check it out now. So do you find it frustrating? Um, I don't know what the question is, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always and forever. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, David in one sentence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
I was going to say, but I mean, obviously, I think I already know the answer. Spoil, you already spoiled the answer. It's hard, and I, I speak of this as someone who loves the Grateful Dead and will talk to people about the Grateful Dead who have no idea what they're, they, they know Touch of Grey and that's the end of it. And I love marathon running and Ironman training and all that stuff. And I'll talk to people who equate that with like, oh, I, I ran a marathon <laughs> and then it turns out that it was a 5K, but they, right. they don't know that, you know. And so it can be frustrating when you love something and you're really into the minutia and the details. And then someone who's good hearted and good spirited and excited about this thing you know, starts talking to you and obviously they have really no concept of what you're talking about. Right. How do you manage that? How do you approach that person? Well, part of me is upset. Or how do you, how do you cope <laughs> yourself internally? I, so sometimes you just don't. Right. You're just like, we're going to get into the movie and, and, right. and some of the discussions that were had, but it's like, it's, it is a very much one of those situations where it's like, Okay, but can, can I? Can you spare six hours, right, to watch what it what it's re, like this version of it? <laughs> right. You don't think you don't have to? I, you could yeah. probably do six hours. Right. <laughs> I fell so, and this is my last comment, and then we'll get to Deadpool. Yeah. Last night I found myself in a circle of people talking about Dune. Yeah. You were there. Top Ten Sarah was there. Mm. A bunch of our listeners were there. I immediately felt totally unqualified <laughs> to be in that conversation. <laughs> like I am way over my head. The only thing I got out of that conversation was amusing myself by asking you even stupider and stupider <laughs> questions. <laughs> yeah, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it went down. And then you were like, I gotta go bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> I'll leave you guys to talk. Yeah. You know, I'll leave the grown ups to talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was it was a we had a, well for those who don't know we did a we did a showing for some listeners who were able to come and it was roughly around forty people yeah and it was great it was, it was really exciting yep yeah so anyway moving on what are your predictions for doing this weekend I think eighty million eighty million yeah for the weekend it, it, and I think that is the safe conservative estimate yeah I think it's got a real shot at doing ninety or a hundred but I think I think eighty is is the wiser pick yeah. what do you think. Um, I, I was going to say probably close to a hundred, but yeah. I think 80 is probably wise. And the thing is this movie, even for me is surprising me how popular the showings are. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like I'm, you know, you're like, Oh, I'm sure a lot of people are going to come out for it. But then you're like, Whoa, a lot of people are coming out for it. What we are seeing, which I think helps the gross. Mm. It's not relevant to the attendance, okay. but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the gross. What we're seeing, which would make you lean more towards 90 or 100, but what we're seeing is the difference between IMAX attendance and regular theater attendance. And when I look at my competitors, I see the difference between IMAX and premium large format. If you're a listener, you'd know what PLF is. We've covered that in previous episodes, but that's basically, you know, you have your regular movie theater and then you have um, special, whether it might be Dolby Atmos sound or it might be some, some places it's legitimately a bigger, better viewing experiences. Some theaters, it's just a gimmick. It's bullshit. Yeah. Um, but, and then the, the cream of the crop is IMAX. I mean, that's the ultimate PLF and everybody else is competing for number two and trying to, trying to sort of replicate IMAX. Um, 
but anyway, what we're seeing is the ticket sales for IMAX are like, I'm when when a big movie, especially a science fiction movie or or a superhero movie or whatever, when a big blockbuster opens, IMAX always does better because that's the best way to see it. But what I'm saying is the difference. There's a noticeable difference between like I like for example today, IMAX is packed. Yeah, like packed. I have it on over here in the main building. I have it on like six different screens. So there's like what 15 different, 18 different shows a day. You have no problem getting a seat and getting a good seat. Oh wow. In the main building. Don't don't get me wrong. It's selling a lot of tickets. But, you know, they're not going to sell out. They're not going to come close. IMAX, if you didn't already get your ticket, you're sitting up front. You know what I mean? That's what right. I'm trying to say. So it, it's fascinating when you look at the gross. It, and of course, I, I guess you probably assumed the PLFs and the IMAXs are more expensive. That's a more expensive ticket. So for each person that bought a ticket there, they're kicking in a few extra bucks to the gross, which might really move that needle past 80 towards, yeah. towards 90 or 100. I guess we'll see. The, the challenge, of course, is the IMAX business model, which I fully support, is only one IMAX theater per market. Mm. You know what I mean? So there's not there's a limited amount. You can't just I can't have 18 IMAX shows a day. I can only have four. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's the limiting factor. So we should note we are recording on Friday. Right. So our projections are purely off of one day. Right. At this point. But. That one day, if I read, I couldn't find it again. I saw a headline somewhere, and then I went to go dig deeper and read the article, and I couldn't find it. The opening night, Thursday night, was reported at $10 million, yeah, which I is better than Dune 1. Yeah. It surpasses Dune 1. And I think Dune 1 opening weekend was 70. Plus, they have the, the Sunday stuff. Do they count that? Oh, I don't know if that... stuff. I don't know if that counts or not. It's interesting. Hmm. Anyway. Okay, we got Deadpool. Yeah. Now, what's going to be the biggest movie of the year this year? Oof. That's tough. I got an opinion. Because right now I feel like it's Dune, but I also feel like there's a lot of year left. There is a lot of year left. Yeah. And there's a lot of big movies yeah. left. Yeah. yeah. So you got Moana 2, you got Sonic the Hedgehog 3, you It'll got, you I, got I mean, Wicked. If Deadpool is good, it's going to be Deadpool. If Deadpool's good, it's going to be Deadpool. My prediction is Deadpool's the number one movie of the year, and Despicable Me 4 over the 4th of July weekend is number two. Yeah. And Dune's number three. Those are my picks. Mm. Okay. Should we go on record? That's the record. That's the record. Penn's, Penn's picks for 2024. 2024. What did I say? Dune, Despicable Me. <laughs> <laughs> Deadpool. Right. The record keeping as spot on as always. As always. You said Deadpool, Deadpool Despicable Dis Me 4, right. and then Dune. Yes, I, I, I stand by that. Biggest, biggest movies price-wise? Commercial commercial box office numbers, okay. pure box okay. office. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, so we, we have a little news. Is this old news to you? Oh, hit me. Yeah. Me. I don't uh, know. Maybe. Uh, okay. So uh, we got some early word about the third Deadpool movie. And I think we've already discussed it's, it's really looking like it's going to be a game changer for the MCU, which obviously we've talked about on the show a million times, needs a big shakeup. But it sounds like a wickedly powerful villain could usher, I'm quoting here from an article I read, a wickedly powerful villain could usher significant changes into the interconnected universe. A new report reveals Emma Corrin's, do you know her? Mm -mm. Yeah, me neither. But I mean, Google it. She's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, Murder at the End of the World, The Crown, Nosferatu. 
Nosferatu? Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Easy for you to say. A new report reveals that Emma's character in Deadpool and Wolverine is Cassandra Nova Xavier. Who the hell is that? She's Charles Xavier's twisted twin sister. Even more. So... Is that true? Are yeah. you? Is that consistent with what yeah. you... So yeah. Charles had a twin that was so blatantly psychically evil, as a child in the womb, he kills it and absorbs, absorbs, you know, as yeah. babies do, absorb Obviously. the other baby. Yeah. And then, you know, Charles is older or whatever, and, and she's been, like, psychically leached onto him since birth and is able to manifest herself into the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I like this. I, I like this. Uh, I like the confirmation. This is what I like about it. I like the confirmation that this is not going to just be another Marvel movie that we hope is good. It feels like it's going to be dramatically different, going to be edgier, sharper, you know, yeah. a little more in your face. I feel like Deadpool was such an outlier. Deadpool one mm-hmm. was such an outlier. You had the Marvel universe and then, oh, you also had this Deadpool. And it was kind of fun to say like, oh, did you know it's part of the Marvel universe? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like it was, you know what I mean? Like it, and now it feels like you take the vibe from Deadpool one and that's going to almost like color the whole next part of the MCU. That's what it feels like. What do you think? So I think what we're going to see here is Deadpool working with the TVA and the end result is a mix match of the Fox universe arriving into the Marvel universe, whether that means X-Men in general, mm-hmm. mutants in general, or just Deadpool and a few select characters, or maybe it just acknowledges that they live in parallel universes. I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Cassandra Nova being the villain, just because it's a very X-Men centric villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that almost so much that it's like almost in a way like, how does Venom exist without Spider-Man? It's like, how does Cassandra Nova exist without the X-Men? But we know Wolverine's going to be there, so the X-Men's probably going to play a part. But my thing is, it, I, I don't know. The movie that I was building in my head was very different than a movie with Cassandra <laughs> Nova. So, it, it, I mean, hopefully it's fine. But it's just like I thought it was going to be a little bit more about the combining of the universes than... I just picture you walking into the studios at Disney and being like, hey, guys, listen, this is not really what I had. I mean, I had a different you image. Know, uh, I had a different vision. And you remember when we saw TVA? Like, right. We thought it was going to go a little bit different <laughs> in my head. It's weird that they're doing something different than what you But I'm sure it'll be fine. Like, I, I mean, she's a crazy character. I thought that Pyro was supposed to be the bad guy, but maybe he's just in it. Or, or maybe this is just one villain there. releasing now true i i don't know i i feel this gave me like a little hope i i i was already i'm already hyped yeah yeah like at this point the less i know the better oh okay because like i'm i'm so i'm so hyped i don't want to know anything that how do i put this sometimes because the characters are, if it's a well-known character, like Cassandra Nova, like I know a lot of her big stories, right? which already has me trying to figure out how any of her stories fit mm. into what's going on. Yeah. Like I'd much rather be just like kind of surprised. Mm. 
So, but we we're gonna have more trailers. So, so David knows all the backstories of the character so that I had never heard of until twenty minutes ago when I found this article. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah. she's kind of you know she's kind of evil egghead looking lady. What are you gonna do? Oh my god! All right, but, so that's our summer. So that's Despicable Me in early July and Deadpool end of July. Now, you're always like David. Where, where are we with this whole Tron right. thing? Right. We had the Tron back in the day. Yeah. And then we had another one in 2010 or something like that. Something like that. Tron long, long time ago. I love that movie. Who doesn't? A lot of people. But yeah. I love it. But you movie. and me love it. Yeah. Well, they're making another one called Tron Ares. And today we got a first look at one of the characters in it. Oh, boy. Uh, Rinsler? Is it Rinsler? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe. Or is Rinsler the director? Uh, I don't know. Well, anyway, this character was shown with um, a black suit. Line. It was it was really just a teaser image. Yeah. Designed to make you, first of all... But it could be anybody. Right. It doesn't matter who it is. Because that's like Rensler in the in Dune. Or not Dune. Oh, my gosh. Rensler in Tron Legacy. Right. right. Then at the end, they're like, wait a minute. He's actually Tron. <laughs> and you were like, what? Um, it's just hype. It's just a hype photo. But I think what it's designed. It. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's just designed to show you two things. First of all. Um, Neon lights. The, black suits. The, <laughs> the, cool look, the cool look of it. Mm-hmm. But also, like, the real... Um, tangible evidence that like this movie's coming, you know, it's not coming until 2025, but it's coming. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 2025 is going to be here next week. I don't know how your calendar works. Better, better be. But my calendar, I saw a meme the other day that I've never related to more in my life. And it said, (laughs) Oh my God, it's tonight already. What's going to be next tomorrow. <laughs> like it just it, it just keeps coming like every day. Have I ever told you about my streak? No. I have this great streak. Yeah. I have woken up alive every single day. What? For like 53 years straight. I've never missed a day. Never missed a day. Yeah. I've been sure. I have an incredible streak going. Wow. Unless I've missed them all and this is just heaven. That that reminds me. <laughs> That reminds me of a, a similar thing I saw that was like, the hardest part about being in my 30s is that I'm in my 40s. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Welcome to our new show. <laughs> We're getting old. <laughs> Aging gracefully with Ben and David. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last little bit of news is not news. Okay. But as long as we are speculating about our summer, I just wanted to uh, pass this along. I read an article they're doing test screenings as they always do. Yeah. You know, whenever you make a movie, whenever anybody makes a movie, and this goes back through the history of Hollywood, when they think they're done with it, they start showing it to audiences. Yeah. And they give out little note cards and try to collect feedback. The most famous example of this is Steven Spielberg showed Jaws to, um, what year did that come out? 75, I think. Showed it to a test audience in Dallas, Texas because he wanted to see how an audience would react that doesn't live by the ocean, mm. right? So he hosted the screening and you know he bought these people in and he bought all these note cards. And this is a true story, a fam- famous true story. 
And one of the notes, so then they collected, obviously everybody loved it. And, but one of the note cards said, you have a great movie. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they've been doing those types of screenings yeah. for Furiosa. Mm. And the early word is it's really freaking good. You know what my problem is? I don't even want to hear it because I am as pumped for this movie as I am for anything. Because I didn't like Mad F- Max Fury Road. Fury Road. Yeah. But these trailers look great. Yeah. But at the same time, the trailer played last night. I turned over to Joel Coates and I said, and watch out because there's going to be some language here, people. <laughs> I said, I said, I hate that this looks good because I didn't like the other movie. But I don't understand these movies. It's a dystopian future where we ran out of oil, and it's the hottest commodity in the world. Yet the, they drive around these fucking cars like they got to get gas every two seconds. <laughs> how, how does that make any sense? <laughs> well, there you go with your logic. <laughs> yeah, that's my problem. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's your problem with every movie. They're like, they're like, uh, fuel's the most valuable thing ever. And then the guy plays guitar and fuel's like spouting out of, right. you know, like <laughs> right. on fire all around him for no reason. Right. <laughs> Other than it looks cool. Well, I think that's a pretty good reason. Oh, okay. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> fashion over, <laughs> fashion over function. Yes. Yeah, yeah, always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's all the news fit to print. Boom. I pointed to the band because you Boom. know they they nail that outro every time. Every time. I mean, you you would almost think it's like recorded. They do it so tight. Yeah. Similar every time. And by the way, as long as we're talking about the band, let's give them a shout out because they're all volunteers. It's for free. They it's, do this. Yeah. They they're give not up, chained to right. The, they give us yeah. give up their Friday evenings. Right, and we don't usually record till Sunday, so right. they're here. They're sitting here two full days. Two full days, Because <laughs> we make them come on Friday in case yeah. we're going to record. You never know. Right. You know, yeah. so we need them here and ready <laughs> right. whenever we feel like walking in and recording. Right. Right. Sometimes so, they're so hungry. I know. <laughs> but. Hey, that's the job. Yeah, they do I it. mean, they're professionals. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This week we got a ton of a movie trailers to review. As if that isn't the mantra every week lately. We have a ton minus one. Ton which, minus one. Which David made me take off because he claims that we talked about it last week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. First up. Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, the final trailer. Yeah. You, you know you know what about this trailer? What? You know, it makes you want to see the movie. It, <laughs> it makes you want to see the movie. Yeah. 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 Like, I, I kind of like, dang it. Yeah. Damn it. Paul Rudd. Yeah. You done got funny. <laughs> and I like it. Yeah. <laughs> like, when he's like, I can tell you the truth. I like Boston. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> he's great. <laughs> this trailer looks great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're there. Ghostbusters literally opens up in two weeks and, um, yeah, it's, it's rolling. Ticket sales are pretty good. I'll tell you an interesting behind the scenes fact. Is Ghostbusters in IMAX? No. Yes, it yes. is. Which IMAXs is it in? Not this one. To be determined. <gasps> Warner Brothers is not approving any of the splits because Warner Brothers is trying to hold on to Dune in IMAX. But IMAX has agreed a certain number of IMAX screens for Ghostbusters. So I've got, I know what I'm doing with Sony, which has Ghostbusters. Yeah. And I know what I'm doing with IMAX. 
but I can't proceed until I know what I'm doing with Warner Brothers. And Warner Brothers won't commit to anything until we see what we have with Dune. In other words, if Dune, for some unforsaken reason, was you know a flop, which obviously we've already sh- it's not. Right. You know, the question is not, is it a flop? The question is, is it an $80 million success or $110 million success? If it's 110 million, Warner Brothers is going to leverage that and not play nice with Sony. If it's 80 million, they're more likely to play nice with Sony. So I can't finalize my schedule. So Ghostbusters opens up on March 22nd. I won't know the IMAX schedule for another week or two. Wow. Yeah, it's really interesting because I have two out of the three. I need all three to be on the same page. I got two of them but I won't have the third until their executives decide what they have. Wow. Yeah, it's interesting. So anyway, Ghostbusters, I am, I will say, I'm excited about it. Next up is The Strangers Chapter One. A, what are we gonna call this? Just an old fashioned horror movie? Yes. Right, this is just, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of gimmicks. It's a man and a woman, a young couple uh, out on what apparently like an Airbnb or something. And because she makes a comment, I like this better than a hotel. And then they meet all these creepos in town. And then um, the creepos attack them and torture them. And the girl is like, "Where? why are you doing this? And the ladies, what'd she say? Like, because you're here? Because you're here. Like, <laughs> okay. So this, yeah. is, this, this is not my thing. No. But it does but it, look. The trailer was very well put together. It was a great the trailer. The music was really good. Is the trailer? I I would I would bet that the movie, if if the movie is as straightforward as the trailer, this has the potential to be a good old fashioned solid horror movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the number one comment under the trailer that I saw was, "Oh no, another movie that has to take place outside of cell service to make sense." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Ah, good point." Mm. Kids these days. Bastards. Yeah. Then we have bike riders, which is funny because we saw a trailer. Uh, David, we already saw this trailer. We saw a a different trailer for this. David. We saw a different trailer for this. David, we already saw this trailer. A few months ago. (laughs) You like the face, though? I did. (laughs) I almost thought it was a mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Is that me? (laughs) (laughs) David, we already saw this trailer. (laughs) I'm sorry. You were trying to explain why we already saw this trailer. We saw a similar trailer. A while ago. Right, right. Uh, we saw a trailer for the same movie. Yeah, and it was, but I remember watching that and both of us, this, this looks horrible. Yeah. We're like, this doesn't, this is like a made for TV crap. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was the person that got to make the trailer, but this yes. trailer was like a real trailer. Right. And I want to see this movie. Right. Now I was yeah. like, oh, this actually looks pretty good. This went from a movie that I was trying to wonder how I was going to get out of playing it. Right. To a movie that, like, I'm definitely going to play this, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'm trying to think. This is my trailer of the week. It's my runner-up. Okay. Yeah. Next, we have a trailer called Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Now, apparently, this is a remake. What are you talking about, apparently? Well, I don't know the reference. I don't know what it's, I don't know the other movie. The other movie? Yeah. It's called Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Right. Yeah. That's the other movie. So apparently there's a lot of like, this trailer had a lot of in-jokes. I got it. Oh, they're referencing. I'm not, I didn't get any of the in-jokes. Other than the fact that it's a remake of the original Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Uh, If there were were in-jokes, they went over my head. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that other movie, but I probably saw it once in my life. Would you tell mom the babysitter was dead? Well, it depends. If I was partying hard. 
You know, I definitely wouldn't. Yeah. Because I was alone for the weekend. Babysitter's dead. Now I'm footloose and fancy free. I'm would not going to tell mom. Wait, but would you pull weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> totally. Because it, all you got to do, we learned from Bernie, it's is some put, sun, put some sunglasses on him and he looks alive. <laughs> tie him up? <laughs> yeah, tie he him up. Like the, you mean they look just like Christopher Walken and dude? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they were just hanging by strings? Oh, my God. We're going to talk about Christopher Walken soon. So don't tell mom the babysitter's dead is a remake. Uh, I it was don't, a very short teaser. There was not much to it. It was a short teaser. Um, I suspect that this movie is going to end up being better than it initially looks. One can hope. Yeah. Yeah. Next is a is a really weird A24 film. Supposedly a horror, but then it looks like it might be a little bit more sci-fi. It's called I Saw the TV Glow. And... If I understand this correctly. <laughs> Which that's our best chance of anyone understanding it. It's a bunch of characters that debate whether or not they're real. Whether or not they themselves are real. Yeah. Right. Whether or not they're in the TV. Right. Or if they saw something on TV. Right. And then if you can get out of the TV. Well, then at the very end, there's an incredibly creepy image of the boy, what, climbing in, trying to physically climb into his television set? Yeah. I mean, I, I will agree, I will concur that this looks fantastically original yes. and creative. I'm not positive that I want to see yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's, if it's going for creepy or, like, weird. Right. Or both. Goonies Jason will tell us. Can I just interrupt it. this for just a moment? Because yeah. March is being the headline in March is obviously Dune 2, Kung Fu Panda, Ghostbusters, and um, Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla X Kong, whatever the title mm -hmm. is. There's all of a sudden a slew of really interesting movies coming up behind all of those. Yeah. We have the horror movie Imaginary. We have Arthur the King, which is looks like a dumb but fun dog movie with Mark Wahlberg. We oh, watched yeah, that trailer. Yeah. I just booked Love Lies Bleeding, that weightlifting one that we watched with Kirsten Stewart, Kristen Stewart, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then that one we watched that we loved with Anthony Hopkins called One Life, where we said the, the trailer oh, gave away the most moving part. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying, like, what made me think of that here in the middle of the trailers is there's all these trailers for little movies that we talked about over the last few months, and now, like, all of a sudden they're here. They're here. You know? Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting to me to see how those, you know, the backup, they're like the backup singers right. to the stars of March. Yeah. Hopefully they sing better than that. <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> yeah. No, they won't. No chance. Lower your expectations. Right, right. <laughs> okay, the next uh, trailer is one that I talked about last night. Yeah. When I was trying to keep up with, I was. I, did you notice I was trying to change the subject away from Dune? Oh, impossible. So, so it could be something. That you could talk about? Yeah. I like to ride bike. <laughs> <laughs> I ran. <laughs> I brought up like, hey, we got this this movie coming out that's like in two parts they're releasing it. And Top 10 Sarah was like, yeah, that's really interesting. But in the second book, when Atreides, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. It's like, fuck. <laughs> I'm out of here. Got right, right, right. Almost. So anyway, this movie is called Horizon in an American Saga and what, chapter one? in June or July I forget which it says but yeah. chapter one in the beginning of the summer and chapter two in August Yeah. and so what, what I surmise from this is that they filmed like 
a very long, large movie and are releasing it. They filmed it all at once, mm -hmm. which is not the first time that's happened. I mean, that's not that unusual. But what's unusual about this is they're telling you right from the get-go, here's the first one, and then later this summer, come back and watch the second one. Right. I think it's going to be huge. This was my trailer of the week. Yeah, okay. But it's funny. This start. This trailer started, and, he, and I know that you do this, because if I do it, <laughs> and I pay attention, then you're definitely doing it. Right. And what happened is, trailer started, and I just kind of glazed over, and my eyes just drifted to the side, or like whatever was going on on the rest of the website. And then, but, I don't know what it was, all of a sudden it was like, and then I was hyper-focused. You're and like, I was wait, like, what? Wait. Yeah. I, what? I, this is, I, uh, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. Um, when I do that, I usually am like, I have the thing running and then I'm doing something on the other screen, mm -hmm. like email or something. And then I quick realize that the, the trailer is good and I should really watch it. So then I go back and I start it over and I like go full screen. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's when you know that it's a trailer worth watching because you blow that shit up to full you gotta screen. See it. Yeah. You gotta see it all. Yeah. Cause it starts off and I'm like, oh, this is every other Kevin, Co Kevin Costner like all the snooty Western. internet guys were like, Oh, I can't wait to see dances with wolves too. Or, or what well, the comment that I saw was, um, the Yellowstone universe gets right. bigger. Right. And I was like, Oh, this is, and then, but then it kind of, I was like, Oh, this is going to be really good. Yeah. I, I have a really good feeling about this. I hope that I'm not eating my words this summer. Cause it's the kind of thing like you're committed to it. Mm. You know, like if it's a bomb, 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 bomb. If it's a bonbon, then you got, you yeah. got another bonbon in August. So and then you want to talk about the Yeah, lastly, this is just a little teaser trailer that I saw um, called Kung Fu Panda 4 Sand and Spice. Yeah. And it was designed to run ahead of Dune. Okay. And it shows Kung Fu Panda standing there with a bowl of rice balls and he's in a desert and he's eating them. And then he looks at the camera and says, mmm, just the right amount of spice. Uh, Get it? But it that's, brings up the argument. Because that's a Dune thing. Yeah. But then I asked. like I asked spice on that planet. Right. The dry planet. But then after the movie, I asked, I said, what's the point of the spice if you haven't read the books? And people didn't know. Yeah, it's oil or some shit that everybody it's wants. It's not. It's so much more. It's the spice of life. It's variety. Literally. Spice is the variety. Literally. <laughs> it's the spice yeah. of life. They took the most fundamental thing about Dune and brushed it so far to the side <laughs> that it's you don't you don't even notice until you step back and you're like wait a minute ladies and gentlemen I, it's because I know what the spice is my friend David but you, you you don't know what what is the spice oh I just thought it was it's of life know, yeah I just thought it was a thing I don't all right we're gonna know so our trailers this week uh my trailer of the week is the bike riders um, David's trailer of the week is Horizon and American Saga Chapter 1 or Part 1 or something yeah. starring Kevin Costner. I highly recommend watching both of those trailers. Now, for a special treat this week, we're going to review Dune Part 2. <laughs> and as a favor to our listeners, I'm just going to review it myself. Okay. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're not going to bog you no, down. No, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. Right. You got a lot going, got on, a lot going on over on that side of the table. Yeah. I was thinking, alternatively, what I could do is ask you for your opinion on it, That's wind you up, whoa. set you start talking about it. I could go downstairs, get a coffee, serve some customers, yeah. talk to the kids, brew a whole pot of coffee, 
drink the whole pot. Drink the whole pot of coffee. Go home, say hi to Amy. Yeah. Come back, read yeah. it, read a book. Maybe watch Dune. Maybe read Dune. <laughs> <laughs> Come back, come into the office, and David will be going, and then... The One sec- more thing. <laughs> right, the second half of the movie. Yeah. One more thing. All right, David, I'm begging you to start us off with the end, which is... Best movie of all time or worst movie ever made? Best movie I've ever seen. Okay, best movie I've ever seen. So right away, the the official word is you liked it. Yes. Did you love it as a movie? No. Okay. So walk us. So your problem, uh, there was a lot of jokes made, and I'm going to repeat one of them because it was really funny. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Goonies Jason, and I heard a rumor through the grapevine. Yeah. After the Sunday night screening. I heard a rumor that David liked it, but what prevented him from loving it is there was a lot of inconsistencies with the book. There was book problems with it. And I said that to Jason. (laughs) Jason took the words right out of my mouth. He goes, yeah, see, that's why I don't read. That's why I don't read the book. And then I said, yeah, nothing good comes from reading the book. All the people who never read the book, they went into that movie and they walked out and they were like, oh my God, that was awesome. That was the greatest movie. That was a sci-fi epic for our generation. Mm-hmm. And then all the people who read the book are sitting over there on the other side of the table with their head in their They're hands. Like, it's good, but all right, walk oh, us you through. Want me to get into it. I want you to get into it, but I want you to to not take forty-five minutes. Okay. All right. All right. I loved almost everything about this movie. Okay. Except for. They made a fundamental change to two characters that changes them so much. The thing is, there's such a thing as like changing characters a little bit, but they changes them so much that the sequel no longer makes any sense. So you're talking about the unborn sister? No. Oh, who are you talking about? The two characters? I'm talking about Paul and Cheney. Paul and, and why do they call her Johnny in the movie? Sometimes they can they call Johnny Cheney is is how she's pronounced. I like to imagine it as Johnny Football. John, no, it's it's C H I N I. I know, but I'm saying I like to imagine it as Johnny C-H-I-N-I. Football because it's it's more fun to picture her Johnny. like Johnny Football, and her character is consistent with that. That would be a great. <laughs> Don't take 45 minutes, he says. <laughs> Tell me that wouldn't be a great nickname for Johnny Football. Her character has an edge to her. Yeah. Yeah. And she's a very independent, strong minded. She thinks for herself. She goes by her principles, period. She's my favorite character in the movie. Well, here, here's the thing. Here, be, this is by changing some small things, they've thus removed motivation for the characters and thus the way that they act in the movie makes sense in the movie because their motivation's no longer there. So the two characters were Cheney. And Paul. Uh, oh, the two main the the two main characters. Right. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. So the issue is, <clears throat> Dune has a proper stopping point um, uh, where you can take a break, and the first movie ended right before that. Okay. Which was weird mm. because it's like six years take place. Yeah. You know, there's a pause, and then the movie is like six years later, and it's and it's not like. Paul instantly becomes a part of the Fremen and a leader of the Fremen and respected just because he's Paul. It, he earns it over all of these years. By riding the worm. 
Well, it, it takes him like six years to get yeah. up that up to that point. But not only that, during this time, him and Cheney like be, basically become established as as a siege married couple. They have a child, and his sister's born. In the book, they have a child. Yes. They have their first of many children. Right. So for listeners, in the, in Dune 2, there's no there's no children. No, and, be- and it's not clear that they're married, even though it's clear that they're a couple. Yeah. Because well, because in Dune, Dune 2, instead of taking place over six or seven years, takes place less than nine months. Yeah. Which means that everything happens at such a breakneck speed, it doesn't make sense mm. when you think about it. Like, it, it so... To your to your point, yeah. Let me. I wanted to ask you about this one particular moment in the scene where I leaned over to Scott and I was like, "What the hell just happened?" Yeah. He was out. He got sent off into the desert to learn how to live with the desert. He was given enough food to survive, and the the old guy was like, "Walk to that that point in the distance." Yeah. And then Johnny Football secretly went along with him, right, to to protect him. And I thought he was still out in the desert, learning how to live with the desert. And I feel like I must have blinked or looked away for a second. And then like a second later, they were all together in the tents, you know, like. Yeah. He goes out, he goes out into the desert. She meets him and it's basically just like, she's going to support him. And then I think the next scene is them attacking a. Right. Uh, like a, he's like with, he's back and he's attacking. Them. But they never, they never showed you him coming back or what happened while he was out there. No. Like it was in it was a jolting jump. Right. Even even for me, right? Like uh, as it, someone who didn't read the books or whatever, but it was a jolting, like all of a sudden, it moves at a breakneck, yeah, speed. Which is ironic because some people have been commenting, "Oh, it's a beautiful movie, blah blah blah," but it is slow. Yeah. Which okay, I I understand and actually agree with that commentary, but from a plot point of view, some of those plot points are like way fast. Right. Right. So. It- I would be okay with some of the changes. Like I'm okay with it have go, going this this fast, but it's because of what I'll get to with Paul and Cheney that that really just like changes the ending to the book, which I wish I would have written it down because I saw a place where they were discussing under an interview, and they someone posted the actual like ending of the book, and it's just like the, these two paragraphs are so much better than what he did, mm. and and. Um, so there's a lot of big different things like like Jessica's not pushing for him to become the messiah the thing is that Paul is not a hero Paul is not a, he doesn't want to be the messiah he doesn't even want to be duke or anything like that but with the time that he's out in the desert he has a child and he can kind of see the future because of the spice but then his son gets killed and as a result, that's the catalyst for him mm. to finally be like, all right, you took it too far. Like, we've been attacking you a little bit here. Right. You, us. you took it too far. You killed my son. And now I'm going to assume all this power and rain hell on you. Yeah. So th- then he goes and has the water of life so that he, because he, he blames himself for not being able to see enough of the future. So now he takes the water of the life so he can see the future to protect everybody. Mm. But in doing so, he sees that if he stands up, and does these things, eventually he'll be seen as this messiah and that people will follow him so fervently that he won't be able to stop them. And they will just wash over the universe in a holy war 
just trying to convert everyone into it, into believing like he is a as a mythological being. But he never wants to like all he wants to do, even after he takes control, is just he wants to go into the desert with Cheney and live like a nomad. Right. He doesn't want to. But in this movie, it moves so fast. He he doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to go. Then he goes, and then as soon as he goes to the south, he's like, well. I, he's power hungry. He's like, I'm just going to be power hungry now. And he, he kind of turns into like a psychopath. It, like he just steamrolls everybody. Isn't the psychopath driven by all these visions he has of billions of people starving because of him if he doesn't do all this? No, it's him doing this that causes all those people to die. Right, but he's trying to pre- assume power so he can alter the course. No, no, he can't. That's the problem. So Paul is a, Paul is a tragic character, and in, but they don't paint him as that obviously mm-hmm. in the movie. They make him look like he like wants, he won. He, and then at the end, he's like, "There's people who don't want to follow him," and he's like, "Well, go get them." Yeah. And that's not he. He tries to solve it more like, more politically and doesn't want the war by marrying but, Florence Pugh. But his leadership, his his people, just like go out and kind of are so into it they just push it right and like he can't stop them so but and so so okay so that's it's once he takes the water of life that it really starts to go off the rails for me um where he kind of becomes too forceful in, in the book he's more like laid back he's like i know the path that i'm on it's got i have to make this decision it's the only reason that he does these things is to to, to save his family and he knows as a result all these bad things are going to happen now because him and cheney were married and everything She's not anti him becoming a leader. She's fully in support of him. He's had years to prove that he can do this. And then also during this time, he can't marry her because him and Jessica are always constantly like, I can't marry you, Cheney, because I have to leave myself open to a political marriage. You're saying that happens in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I could could end a war. Because I by with marriage, right, and that's what happens at the end. Instead of having a big bloody war, which in the, they still do in the movie, instead of having a big bloody war, he marries Irulan, and the emperor steps down, and he becomes emperor through marriage. But this is the part that like we totally miss because in the movie, you know, obviously we're spoiling stuff. In the movie, <laughs> Cheney. She's anti his religion, and so much so that when he takes Irulan's wife, she leaves to start a rebellion in the desert. Well, that was unclear in the movie. It was well, un- it was unclear. She leaves she- into the desert, which it's it to me implies that she's because the whole time she's she's rebelling against him. No, it it it's clear to me that she's unhappy, and she leaves and leaves like in a huff. But it's unclear to those of us unread. That she's going to start a rebellion no, no, or come back not, and that's burn not part down of the book. That's super. Di- that's what I'm saying. It, what, what the powerful moment that we don't get is she stands with him and she's clearly upset about oh, this I thing, see. and he takes Irlan. And there's this throughout the whole thing. There's this whole thing about Paul always, uh, not he. You know, he admired his father, but the one thing he always ha- disliked about his father is that he never married his mother because he always kept himself open for a political right. marriage. And he says to Irulan, who thinks she's not only solving this problem, but she's going to still be, she's going to be empress and still be powerful and her bloodline will still f- follow through. And he says to her, just like my mother 
was never wife by name, you'll never be wife outside of name. Mm. And that uh, there'll never be any children for you. And you'll never, you'll, you'll, you'll have to just stay here at the Capitol. You'll never be allowed to leave. And you'll have to raise my children that I have with Cheney. Mm -hmm. And so basically she's a prisoner. Yeah. Like, like she's not going to be a powerful being that she thought. There was uh, one article that I read and I'm curious about your speculation about Dune three, uh, that, that has, uh, Florence Pugh and, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy as like basically the main characters opposite Paul and Cheney. Yes. How's that going to work? Well, see, that's, like I said, it takes place over time. In the book, uh, Alia, which is Anya Taylor-Joy's character, is like six mm. or five or something at the end. And now she's the same age as Paul. And then and then in Dune Messiah, she's in her 20s. I bet you these books are really good. If only. If only. <laughs> There's no way to know. There's no, there is no way There's to no know. Way to, you'd, you'd have but, to, like, read them. Yeah, but I would have been even fine if they were like, because Anya's preborn, she aged faster. Sure. And, yeah. and then they made Alia, you know, I would have been like, you know what, that's not how it is, but it's less, it's it's more ex acceptable for an audience to accept that than a, a five year little five year old little girl acting like she's a full grown right. adult. Right. Right. Fine. Like I get that, but yeah. So I mean, in book two, it's all about Irulan. She's a good a good guy, and and Ali is a good guy, and she wants to do the right thing. But again, Paul never wants to be at war, and he's just constantly trying to protect his family, right, and get out of being this messiah. Do you think he will die a hero, or live long enough to see himself become the villain? Only the Joker knows for sure. Ah, we'll have to see if he's in Venice. Him and Shani. In Venice, Johnny si sipping some coffee. <laughs> yeah, and then right, you go, right. Go over, uh, and then Gurney Halleck's like, "I see you." Yes, uh, <laughs> all right, I got a couple more questions for you. Okay. Uh, those of us that were watching it for the first time, right, commented on how much we were blown away by Hans Zimmer and the soundtrack, oh, yeah. and also the sound. I mean, I'm not one to usually notice this kind of stuff, but the sound effects for this movie are unreal. How concerned about your stereo system are you? <laughs> Not at all concerned, because if we survive Taylor Swift, we can survive this. <laughs> My question for you is, you watched it in IMAX on a Sunday, and then four days later, you watched it in a regular theater. I, I'm assuming the IMAX experience was better for you? Like, would you, would you, what I leaned over to Andrew, and I was like, I got to see this in IMAX. Like, this is going to be off the charts in IMAX. I liked it better last night. Yeah. Okay. Tell me why. Space, seats. Yeah. So the the physical auditorium. Yeah. Yeah. Was the was the scene when he's riding the worm in IMAX ridiculous in IMAX? Like, because it, it was ridiculous in a regular theater. Like yeah. so, it's like like you're just like completely tensed up and like obviously you know he's gonna emerge and ride the worm, you know whatever. But like just watching him go through that and it's happening. It's so loud and the sand is so chaotic and it's so fast. And it's like, a th it's a thrilling cinematic moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think of cinematic moments Yeah. that I, that stick out in my brain for eternity. I think about the Joker hanging upside down 
with his monologue, yeah. you know, at the end of whichever Dark Knight that was, you know, Heath Ledger. And that to me was like a stunning cinematic moment. And I think about um, the, the, the last five minutes of um, what was that Hollywood movie we watched last year, the year before um, uh, starred Emma Stone. I think it had Hollywood in the name. Anyway, there's like these moments where whether you liked the movie or not, don't even have to be your fate. No, not La La. It was a, it was Bohemian. It wasn't Bohemian Rhapsody. It was like a, it was it was criticized for being too long. It was really long. It didn't do as well as everyone hoped it would do. I'll I'll post it on on Facebook. I'm sure there's people screaming at their radios oh, right now. Oh, the one. Oh yeah 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 yeah. The one where she with where they like ran away together. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. She's like she's coming up through it's the not ranks. Not Emma Stone. It's um. Barbie. Margot Robbie. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Margot Robbie. Um, And if you remember, we talked about it on the show because it made such an impression on me. The the flashback that they do, which actually has nothing to do with the plot of that movie, except for, you know, representing the the growth of Hollywood from this from the silent movies to Avatar. those are cinematic moments yeah. that I won't soon forget. I won't soon forget the scene where Paul Atreides was trying to ride, stand up. On first of all, when he's laying on his back, he's got one arm ahead of him and one arm, you know, yeah. like like it's just so well done. Like it's you felt like you were there with him, and it was insane. I was like exhausted. You know what I mean? I was like out of breath watching it. Yeah, that's how I felt. Did you get that? That not all the whole movie. That not all of the movie took place on Dune. Yeah. Okay. There was a couple people last night that were like, what was with the black and white parts? Oh, no, that's a whole different... I was like, that's a whole other planet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I picked up on that from having watched the first one. The first one. Yeah. Here's another interesting thing. I can't tell you how many people I bumped into, and they were like, because I spent a lot of time in the lobby on Sunday, and then again, you know, yesterday and earlier this afternoon, and I'm talking to a lot of people, and... So I'm on the way in, and they're like, "Oh, I'm so excited!" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's gonna be awesome!" And they're like, "Yeah, I just rewatched Dune One." <laughs> like, I, I feel like I would love to see the numbers from HBO on how on the viewing of Dune yeah. One because yeah. everybody that I bump, almost everybody I bump into, including me, is like, "Oh, I just rewatched it." Well, there was a big thing on Netflix because Netflix lost it at the, yesterday. Oh, oh, it, so was, it was. They were, and Netflix was advertising it heavy. Yeah, that they were. It was going away on the 29th. And then did it go back to HBO? I, I, I think ass- it was always on HBO, but I think it was Netflix. also on Netflix. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Well, that's doing best movie I've ever seen. Best movie I've ever seen, and it will definitely be in my. We'll have to wait. There's a lot of year left. Yeah. As David so poignantly pointed out, um, but it, this is. This is going to be up there. So what are we doing next week? We well, next week we have... <laughs> David is stressed out because the two options for next week... I know what David wants to do. What David wants to do is watch Dune again and talk, well, talk about Dune some more. The two options next week, we have two new movies opening up. Yeah. Uh, we have Kung Fu Panda 4, mm-hmm. which looks like all kinds of fun, right? Sure. And then we also have Imaginary, which is a horror movie about the, the teddy bear that's right. not imaginary and he's not your friend. Here's my question. Which one of these movies do you want to see? I, I want to see Imaginary. You want to see Imaginary? I do. I, okay. I, I mean, I don't know. Here's my bigger question. You want to split them up? Is Bob Marley still in the theater? 
Oh, you want to watch Bob Marley? I want to watch Bob Marley. Not only is Bob Marley in the theater, but Barb Mar- Bob Marley behind, um, like before Dune opened, Bob Marley was the number two movie. Okay. Like it is is going gangbusters. So it'll be here through next weekend. Yeah. So let's definitely let's watch Bob Marley. Okay. Yeah. yeah and if the spirit moves me, I'll watch Imaginary and tell you about it. Okay. Sounds good. Maybe we'll do one of those hilarious bits where I'm like, oh, I watch a second movie and I'm not even going to charge you for it. <laughs> 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 Look. Let's get into listeners' notes, feedbacks, questions, answers, and sometimes comments. If you want to be a part of the show, the best way to do that is email us, podcast at pencinema.com. This week we've got one letter. We had many letters, but most of them were about how excited they were to come with us (laughs) on Thursday. But our one letter outside of that was from Nick Landis Plain already. He came in and he had some Dune review stuff. He said, I saw Dune 2 last night, meaning last Sunday. I thought it was visually stunning and think anyone would enjoy it just based on visuals and sound alone. Agreed. Most of the accent, most of the acting was great with Javier Bardem who played Stilgar having a standout role. Okay, I'm going to pause you right there. Yeah. Cuz then there's another paragraph. Mm. Before we get to the second paragraph, mm. we need to talk about the acting. Yeah. Because I feel the acting was spot on and near perfect. With one glaring exception. And it's so it's not so much that the acting was bad, because I think the acting was great. But I cannot see Christopher Walken as uh, anybody or anything Christopher except Christopher Walken. That's why I made the that's why I made the joke of uh, Weekend at Bernie's because he does look like he's dead. And someone just like, Hey hey old man, just stand here. But I think that's that's what they that was by design. Yeah, maybe. Because he's he's a pretty animated guy when you see him, you know, doing interviews and you sure. know, and stuff. But but he's so like there were a lot of amazing actors. Like I mean, even Timothy Chalamet is a great example. The movie starts and here comes Timothy Chalamet and he starts out as Paul Atreides and you're like, oh, there's Won- Willy Wonka and you know, oh, there's our guy. Oh, it's so funny. To quote Amy Ketchum. He was in Dune. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Um, yes. To quote. <laughs> Uh, my wife, Amy, not my cousin, Amy. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, anyway, yeah, the, so all the other, like, and same with Zendaya, you know, and to some effect, it was a much smaller role, but to some extent, Florence Pugh. Like, these are actors and actresses that you're keenly aware of, but as the movie gets going, you don't think of them as Zendaya anymore. You think of them as, as Johnny Football, right? Right, yeah. This is exactly what you're always telling yeah. me, you know. And the exception of that, and I, I don't even, I don't even mean this as a knock on Christopher Walken. Like I'm not saying he did a bad job. It, here's the thing. I'm just saying he is so specific, and he looks exactly the same in the movie as he does in real life. Yeah. And every time he opened his mouth, I kept waiting. Which for didn't him. happen till the end. He was fine uh, as the emperor up true. until the end when he started talking. It got worse. And they yes. were like, yes, oh. yes, oh, boy. It, yes. It got worse, not better. Right, right. All right, moving on. He says. There are some very unfortunate edits in there that felt like the whole scenes were taken out. I'll avoid spoilers, but I also thought some of the changes from the book made the ending a lot less impactful. Thank you. I will say any of the changes they did make made sense in the context of adapting to the screen. I will agree if you remove enough things, the motivation doesn't make sense for them to do what they actually do in the book. So... Yeah, I mean, I think from from all of our friends who read the book, obviously including you, yeah. um, 
that seems to be the big consensus I got from everybody was they love the movie and it was great and they want to see it even, you know, again. Yeah. Um, but there was real concern, angst, I would even say, about, you know, the impact of cutting so much out of the, you know, from the book. Right. And, right. you know, an, an example of that that maybe was done differently and didn't, I mean, of course, the internet didn't exist at the time, so you didn't have the constant feedback loop. But, like, The Godfather cuts out tons of storylines out of the book. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't alter any of the main characters' storylines. See, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So like they they cut out. There's this there's this whole subplot about how Jessica is framed to, as the one that killed, betrayed, and killed Duke Leto Atreides, okay. and it's this huge thing. As Paul meets up with his with Gurney and Thufir, who's not even in this this half of the movie, is still alive too. Yeah. As he meets up with these other characters, they have they like want to kill Jessica because they think she killed the Duke, right. and it's this whole big thing to get over. But you take that out, and it didn't change anything. Not that big a deal. No. Yeah. Okay. David, so, what's with you? Let me tell you what's with me. Let me tell you. About me. <laughs> but enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My man, I, re- I, I, I this last couple of weeks I've been attempting to read The Three-Body Problem by Susan Liu. I think that's how you say it. Right. This is being, this is being adapted into a movie and a show on Netflix, I think. Adaptated, yeah, Ad- definitely. It's getting an adaptation. It's getting adaptated. Ad- adaptated. <laughs> it's giving off adaptated. It's updated and adaptated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I thought, oh, this might be interesting. Yeah. Very rarely do I take a book and put it down and say, I don't want to read this anymore. Like, I, like it's so bad. I'm not reading it anymore. <laughs> and that's what I did with this book. I was half more than halfway through and I said, I can't do it anymore. I just don't care. Like nothing about this book may, it interests me at all. <laughs> and then I stopped. Okay. And then I read Blue Moon by Lee Child, which I'm almost running out of Jack Reacher books. Help me. What am I going to do? Oh with my God. It's going to be a dangerous world, uh, which I thought was really good. And finally the library brought Murtaugh by Christopher Paolini back to me, so I'm I'm back to reading that now. Thank God. Yeah. What? Enough about me. <laughs> Tell me about you. <laughs> Tell me about, about you. me. <laughs> I Amy and I are watching this show. Yeah. And it's all right. It's I want to say it might. You could almost say it's a cheap version of like, <laughs> <laughs> like as my friend Andrew would say, it's a poor man's version of Downton Abbey. <laughs> uh, he likes to I don't know if you have any friends like this he he likes to like that's a great way that he frames things like he always says um, you know it's a it's a poor man's so and so you know what I mean um, I'm, I'm not going to start a controversy Whoa. so I don't want to tell you you know that he called M. Night a poor man's Christopher Nolan <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm not even going to mention that. Wow. Right. Well, well good. No one. No one should hear that. No, I don't want to. I don't want to yeah. stir up a can of worms. You know. Anyway, Miss Scarlet and the Duke is a great fun show. But the reason why I'm like making fun of it and kind of chuckling to myself is because we watch it, and every night we have to rewatch. 
the end of the episode because we always fall asleep <laughs> like, 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 while we're watching it. And then the other show that I've been really into lately, thanks to Marley, because it just came out back on Netflix and Marley was into it back when it was a show, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh my God. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying like, oh, it's the best show of all, whatever. But I'm just saying like, it's a good, solid, funny. It's on Netflix. Yeah, I believe. I'm glad that you said that because I've been wanting to watch it. Yeah. And it it was on Hulu before, I think. It's a good, solid sitcom. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not saying whatever. It's not going to be anybody's new favorite show. I love the clips from it. It's so uh, so good. Like, it's just so subtle and good and it just makes me happy. So shout out to Marley Bear for, uh, Writing into the show and letting us know about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I swear I didn't see her last night at all. No, I know. You, you know, she claims to care about the show, but uh, let's see. Yeah. Anyway. Anywho. <laughs> Next week, we're going to watch Bob Marley. She is our number one fan. Oh, no doubt. She was the first person to be consistently never missed an episode. And she was our biggest live audience. Yes. <laughs> for a consistent amount of time. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, next week we're going to be watching Bob Marley, One Love, right? Yes, yes, that's what it's called, Bob Marley, One Love, who Bob Marley, just for a quick little fun trivia in case it ever comes up, Bob Marley, Behind the Grateful Dead, Marley and the Wailers is my second favorite all-time band. Yep. And I actually, it's funny because the reason I haven't seen this movie yet is because I'm like a little nervous. Like, you know what I mean? When you have something you love and then they make a movie about it and you're like, like, ah. Yeah, they changed the end and it doesn't match the actual story. (laughs) I can't wait. That's exactly what I'm going to do. You wouldn't understand. (laughs) All right. Look, if you want to get in touch with the show and be a part of our show, the best way to do that is to email us podcast at pensentiment.com. But if you want to support the show. Yeah. What's the number one way to do that? David, have you noticed uh, when you were in on Sunday? Yeah. And then when you were in today, walking into the theater, and maybe not yesterday because you weren't in IMAX, but we've had characters in the lobby. Characters. Yeah. And they seem to be coming from one of my new favorite hangouts, Decades. Yeah. Down in Lancaster. Yeah. With our, our friend Tony. Right around my block. Right around your block, just down the block. Decades. Yeah. Now, what I'm concerned about, though, uh-huh. what I think we need help with is I believe that Tony's listening to the show now. <gasps> And I believe that one of his bar managers is listening to the show, but I'm concerned that there's a possibility exists that the entire staff at Decades is not totally listening to the show. Right. So what what we want our listeners to do is pull up DecadesLancaster.com, and on the Contact Us page, drop them a little note that says, listen to the Penn Cinema Podcast. And when, and <laughs> or you, if you don't want to do that, you could just write Penn Says Hi. When, when <laughs> you leave a tip... Right. I got a tip Leave for cash. you. Right, Leave right. cash. But on the receipt, right, here's a tip. Right. Listen to the Pencil right. on a podcast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you should definitely still leave cash. Yeah, yeah. Definitely right. leave, leave cash. I'm not saying don't right. tip them. Right. But on the receipt. Right. On also. The, also. 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 Right. On the tip. Right. Here's a tip. Listen to the Pencil right. on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if, you don't, if you don't get down to Lancaster much, like if, for example, you live up in uh, Lebanon, whoa, you know, in or the shad- shout out to our Irish listeners. There's like a bunch of you. Yeah, write us in. Like, I yeah. want to know what's up. <laughs> Who is listening in Ireland? There's that's the- here's the threat. If you don't write in, I'm going to use my Irish accent next week. Oh shoot! Which spoiler alert? I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> 
But if you live in the shadows of Lebanon, yeah. you know, amongst all the bumpers and whatnot, yeah. then what you could do is you could just tell a friend how much you enjoy the show, and we would yeah. really appreciate that support. Yeah. And definitely tip in cash. Yeah. And also. Also. Yeah. And right. also, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, once again, for the Penn Center Podcast, I'm David Moulton. And I'm Penn Ketchum. <laughs> Take, Take care and party, party on. Thanks for joining us this episode. Our hosts would love to hear from you. To contact the show with your thoughts and reviews, email podcast at pencinema.com. This podcast is a production of Penn Cinema. Escape to the movies at Penn Cinema, featuring crisp digital projection, killer sound, reserved seating, and premium power recliners. With locations in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Wilmington, Delaware, and Huntington Valley, Pennsylvania. Showtimes and tickets available at www.pencinema.com. <laughs>